Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we are continuing our study of Matthew. We are in Matthew chapter 19 today. And if you're just joining us, I want to invite you into this study that we're doing. It's an introduction to the Gospels, where we started with the book of Matthew. We're going through little by little and looking at the history and the culture and the background. If you would like to dive a little bit deeper than what we offer on the podcast, we have a couple resources available to you. We do daily journaling prompts, and I love journaling because it helps us get this information from our head into our heart. We also have family discussion guides and also an additional podcast just for the kids that explains this podcast content in a way that they can understand. The goal of the family discussion guides then is to help you continue the conversation as you learn to grow together and to hear God's voice more clearly together as a family. And so we are in Matthew chapter 19, starting at verse 1. And today I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. It says, When Jesus had finished these words, he left Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no person is to separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. But he said to them, Not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by the people, and there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. The one who is able to accept this, let him accept it. Then some children were brought to him so that he could lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, leave the children alone and do not forbid them to come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying his hands on them, he departed from there. I'm going to stop there and we'll continue Matthew chapter 19 tomorrow. But I want to talk a little bit about this topic of divorce. This is a topic that is widely debated within the body of Christ. I'm sure you've been part of or heard some of those conversations yourself. But what we see here is that this is a topic that was debated even in Jesus' time. The Pharisees during the time of Jesus had this as a topic of confusion because it was really two schools of thought. There was the school of thought that was a little bit more conservative, and they believed that you would only get a divorce if one of the spouses had been unfaithful. And then the other school of thought was that there was divorce permissible for a lot more trivial things like burning a meal, or if you found someone more attractive. 
And because of that, divorce was pretty rampant within this culture. And the Pharisees felt like it was tragic. And so part of the divorce conversation is both the Pharisees and the disciples wanting to know what Jesus felt about it. Because remember, Jesus, as he's going through and he's teaching the disciples about the Torah, he is the one that is able to correctly interpret the Torah because he's the one that wrote it. The Torah, the law, the whole Old Testament, as God, we know that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is the author of that Old Testament scripture. And so he's talking about how Moses permitted divorce. And you have to remember that the abuse of a marriage partner in sin, that was a harsh reality in the ancient world. And so Moses, back in Deuteronomy, instituted this regulation of divorce that was designed to do a couple things. Number one, it was designed to protect the sanctity of marriage from something indecent defiling the relationship. It was to give them these parameters of what was expected within this marriage covenant. Number two, it was to protect the woman from a husband who might simply just send her away without any cause. And then number three, it was to document her status if they did get divorced so that she was legitimately divorced and she could prove that so that other people wouldn't think she was a prostitute or just a runaway that was leaving her husband. And so this was allowed, but we have to remember that divorce was never God's intention. It was an allowance within the law as a protective way to protect those things from happening, but it wasn't something that was prescribed. And so this sin of unfaithfulness in this time frame was something that you could actually be charged with. So if you were unfaithful to a spouse, you could legally be charged with that. And it was against the law in ancient times. Even attempted adultery was against the law. And so remember Joseph, we talked about this back in the beginning of Matthew when we we're talking about the Christmas story. And remember before Joseph knew that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, it said that as a righteous man, he was going to divorce her quietly because the way that the law was at the time was that there was no option not to divorce if there was adultery. So as a righteous man, he would be going forward with this divorce. And it wasn't until the angel came and, and showed him that this was a legitimate you know, reason why she was pregnant. And even though it was the first time in history, it was enough for Joseph to understand, okay, he needs to stay with Mary. But up until that point, as a righteous man, he was going to divorce her. That's what was going on in the culture at the time. I do want to pause for just a minute, though, to talk about what the definition of marital unfaithfulness was. And so there would have been things like abandonment by the unbelieving spouse or abuse of the spouse that would fall into this category, because the idea of a faithful spouse meant that one was faithful in their relationship with each other. Faithful means that they are loving each other faithfully the way that God would call them to love each other. There are other places in the scripture that unpack this a little bit more, but I think it's important to mention that here because so many times there's so much judgment within the church if someone gets divorced because of abuse if the husband wasn't sexually unfaithful. But the fact of the matter is, is abuse is not faithful. It's abuse. And so there's a couple things to remember. Number one, when Jesus criticizes divorce, he's not criticizing a separation because of adultery. He's being critical of the kind of divorce that was permitted in the Old Testament in cases where the wife just became unpleasing to her husband because of the way she looked or that he found something indecent about her, meaning she didn't cook the things that he liked or she didn't act the way that she he liked or he found somebody that looked prettier than her. Those are the kinds of things that he's talking about. And so sometimes in that culture, what that would mean is 
there would be situations where the husband would find out or the wife would find out that the other spouse was involved primarily sexually with someone else. And there was a lot of divorces happening for those reasons. Now, Jesus is making it clear that even in those kinds of cases, it is God's desire that the two people would remain married. But we have to also recognize that in some extreme cases, God can and does heal and repair relationships, even those extreme cases. But both people have to want that and seek that. And they have to be committed and intentional. And that takes, of course, the Holy Spirit. It takes counseling. It takes behavior modification. It's a hard path, but it is possible. And so it doesn't mean you have to get divorced if there's adultery. It's permissible, but God can still work through those situations. Now, in the case of sexual immorality after the marriage, the Old Testament prescription for that was the execution of both offenders. It was literally putting them to death. And so that would leave the innocent person free to remarry. That's how seriously they took the marriage vow when it came to marital faithfulness. But in this time frame, men could divorce anytime they wanted. Women could only demand divorce under certain conditions. And even then, it needed to be approved by the court. So many of the marriages at the time were prearranged, and then they would include provisions in those arrangements that would take place in case a divorce happened. It was really, really common. And so he's talking to this larger problem, this heart issue. So all of that being said, I just want to communicate the fact that divorce should never be taken lightly. I think you know that, but I want to say that God hates divorce. It causes brokenness that takes a long time to heal, even when there's adultery. It was his plan that marriage should be between one man and one woman for life. We learn that in the Old Testament. We learn that in Genesis. We see that throughout the scriptures. In the New Testament, under the new covenant, based on the life of Jesus and his sacrifice for our sins, divorce is still a tragedy. But Jesus is also recognizing that marital unfaithfulness is a cruel sin against the spouse, and he's giving that innocent party the right to end the marriage through divorce. So then they're free to marry another Christian. We see this topic come up later in the New Testament when the Apostle Paul wrote about it in 1 Corinthians. He talks about how if the Christian's spouse is not a follower of God, and that non-believer decides to leave the marriage, then that Christian who has been abandoned can remarry, and that is not a sin. However, if the Christian spouse is married to this non-believer, they are not the one that is supposed to initiate the divorce. They're supposed to stay married. And you can't do anything about it if the unbeliever leaves, but you as the believer are not to initiate the divorce. Now, I know that's hard to hear. I hear from women every day, that are married to a non-believer. And I think that is part of the reason why it's so important that we teach our children how to pick a spouse that loves God more than he loves them and to help them understand how serious we have to take this because of the consequences that happen when we're married to a non-believer. And of course, sometimes people become believers after they're married. There's all sorts of reasons, but God's will and God's plan would be that you would stay in that marriage Unless there's something like abuse or or they leave, if it is a non-believer that is not abusing you, that is not cheating on you, and they are willing to stay, then God's grace will be with you in that process. You know, God hates divorce because of the pain and the destruction that is left in its wake. And it brings about this question of whether or not it's 
the unforgivable sin. And we talked about the unforgivable sin uh, last week. It's not. And if you've been following me for a while, you know that I myself have dealt with the pain of divorce for my first husband, which was a relationship that involved a lot of adultery on his part. And I held on for years longer than I probably should have. And it was after a lot of heartache and counseling and pain that I finally left. But my daughter was told in kindergarten that I, as her mother, would be going to hell since I got divorced. And that was from another Christian family. It was another Christian little girl at the Christian school. And let me just tell you right now that, first of all, that's not the truth. In fact, it did a lot of damage. But that is not God's heart. As the innocent party, there is healing and there's restoration. And I am now remarried to a man of God that has been so life-giving and a perfect picture of what God's picture of marriage should be. And so if you are finding yourself in a situation where you feel trapped, it doesn't necessarily mean there has to be a divorce. But if you are in a situation where there's been adultery, there's been abuse, it is okay to leave. And let me just say also that if Christians have experienced divorce in the past for reasons that are not permissible by the standards of scripture, even then, all hope is not lost. If they have moved on and they have truly experienced a change of heart, admitting it and turning away from that sin, God will forgive them. It is not an unforgivable sin. Now, there's going to be a lot to work through. The The circumstances don't go, go away. There might be a new relationship. There might be a lot of pain. There's going to be some difficulty with the previous relationship. And of course, this applies to somebody that's continuing to follow God and submit to his will and his plan. And I believe that God can still work through that situation. It does not mean that their life will be free from the negative effects and consequences from the breakup of a family or the previous divorce. But part of the reason that God hates divorce is because he doesn't want us to go through that kind of pain. But he also doesn't want us to stay in an abusive situation. God hates divorce because it tears apart what should have been considered permanent. But unfortunately, because we live in this fallen world that is impacted by sin, that's not always the case. And then real quickly, I want to just talk about this passage at the, at the end that talks about the children. You know, children were socially powerless and dependent. And Jesus interrupts the disciples when they're trying to take them away. And he says, let them come. And I think this is the perfect example in both of these situations where we see God's heart for the marginalized. In both these instances, women were cast aside and the children were being cast aside. And instead, Jesus is saying, no, let them come. I'm going to make provision for them. I'm going to protect them. We're going to invite them in. I think so often the church has such judgment around divorce that we forget that God makes provision and allowance for healing. And I would just encourage you that if you are somebody that has either walked through divorce or has witnessed somebody walking through divorce, that you would speak words of life and hope, not judgment and shame, because there's enough of that coming from the enemy. If you think for one second that that person that has walked through divorce has not felt their fair share of shame and guilt and pain, then you are joking because nobody walks through that feeling happy about it. But instead, I would encourage you to take the attitude of Jesus and come from a place of healing and this desire to help them be restored. And that should really be the posture that we take with everything, not just abuse or adultery or divorce or even letting the children come. We should be reflective of Christ and how he opened his arms and he said, just let them come, let them come. So given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread in Matthew 19, starting at verse 1. 
It says, when Jesus had finished these words, he left Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no person is to separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. But he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from the mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by people, and there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who is able to accept this, let him accept it. Then some children were brought to him so that he would lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them, but he said, leave the children alone and do not forbid them to come to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying his hands on them, he departed from there. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God of grace, that you are a God of restoration, you are a God of healing, and you are a God of hope. God, I pray that as we think about this topic of divorce, that you would help us to understand with a fresh perspective your heart for people that have walked through divorce that are going through divorce, that are thinking about divorce, God, we recognize the brokenness the divorce has caused, but we also recognize that you would not want us to stay in a situation that is adulterous or abusive. So God, I just pray for freedom for those that are feeling trapped right now, God. I pray for freedom from the enemy. I pray for freedom from the shame, from the guilt, from the pain, Lord God. I pray that you would reveal to them a path towards their healing. And Lord, I pray for even those that may have been the one to speak guilt and shame and condemnation to those that have been divorced. God, would you help them to see divorce through your eyes? That even if they have committed divorce that was not because of adultery or abuse, that there is still hope for healing. Yes, there's consequences, but this is not some unforgivable sin, but that you are the God that speaks into our mess and makes us whole. God, I thank you for that and the way that you reveal your heart for us, for your people through your word. We thank you and praise you in all things. Amen. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. Hey, friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. 
If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.